I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Ladies Who Punt. My name is Fiona Blair and here I am with my co-host Grace Ramage. Hi Fee and hi everybody listening to this episode of Ladies Who Punt and we've got a really fun episode coming up. I'm really looking forward to it because it's a little bit different, isn't it Fee? It is. So this week we're not covering a topic. It's all about consolidation this week. We are going to do a full form preview of Goodwood Day in Morfittville and we're going to be able to apply everything we've learned so far on the episodes of Ladies Who Punt. So I'm really excited about this one. I'm really excited about it too um, because what we'll be doing is basically going through how I would do form analysis and how we've sort of explained to you over the last couple of episodes um, so that you can be on the tools as well and that you can follow along and you can try and work out your own opinion following you know um, the, the way in which we do our form analysis to work out the winner of every race. It doesn't always work out but we'll give it our best shot but this Saturday at Morfittville is a really good day of racing. We've got the Goodwood which Fee mentioned already and it's um, a Group 1 race over 1,200 metres, but there are heaps of other stakes races on the day as well. Lots of really nice horses, really good racing to assess, and I'm excited to get stuck into it. Definitely. So if you can this week, it would be a great idea to pull up whatever form guide or app you use to help you with your punting, uh, just to follow along with us. But Grace, we're here for a good time, not a long time, <laughs> so let's get stuck into our first race. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's start with race five at Morfittville. Grace, one of our episodes was all about race classes. So why don't you take us through what kind of class this race is? Yeah, great place to start. So this is the listed Centuria Stakes. Um, it's a race that's on the calendar each and every year, run over 2,000 metres at Morfittville. And it's for fillies and mares only at listed level. And it is a set weights and penalties race. So we discussed that in our episode, which was all about, you know, the handicap rating system and different race classes. What that means is that that the fillies and mares have both, they've got set weights. But if you've won a recent race um, at stakes level, you will cop a penalty. And we see that with the top weight here fee in Silent Sovereign, because last start she carried 55 kilograms. Now, after winning that race, the Queen of the South Stakes, she carries 59.5 kilograms. That's a pretty significant jump up Mm. in weight. Yes, so the standard weight in this race is 55.5 and and any horses above that uh, occur in a penalty. So that's the top four in my lines of betting. I really like these races, Grace, because we can really look at a horse's rating and how it's weighted 
and see which horses are getting in with a good weight Mm -hmm. for their rating and in this class. Yeah, it's such a good point that you raise and it's really relevant for this race because so many of the horses here actually came through the same last start. So they all raced each other last start. Now that was the Queen of the South Stakes that Silent Sovereign won. Silent Sovereign is a mare trained by Tony and Calvin McAvoy. She won that race um, on her own merits. She's a good quality stakes mare in the past. But to be honest, there wasn't much between them across the line. You've got a horse called La Dragon Tea horse number two she wasn't far behind them that was her first Australian start she's an imported mare from overseas Starrell was racing really well late like she was so strong to the line and Foxy Frieda who's now come up favorite in this race on Saturday well she ran second in the silent sovereign race last start but she was really unlucky she was back in the field um, you know had to struggle to get clear galloping room once she got clear she really attacked the line so when you consider that Foxy Frieda only marginally increases at the weights from last start, but Silent Sovereign goes up a huge four and a half kilos, that means Foxy Frieda has got a really significant weight swing against Silent Sovereign. Um, and you can understand why the market has actually got her favourite over that winner last start in Silent Sovereign. Now, that race was over 1,600 metres. So all of these fillies and mares have got to go up to 2,000 metres now. Um and I, I actually really do like Foxy Frieda because I think that she's the one who's best suited stepping out to the 2,000 metres now. As we've mentioned, it's hard to split them because they all raced well against each other last start. But I can understand why Foxy Frieda is the $3.20 favourite. Um, and I think she'll be very hard to beat. I'm a little bit concerned about the distance, Grace. It's a distance she's not won over before. I think the furthest she's won over is 1600. Like This is quite a big step up in distance. And she's up against a horse like Silent Sovereign who has won over 2000. So yeah, I guess we have differing opinions here. Well, I mean, it's a really good point that um, you speak of because Silent Sovereign is proven at the 2000 metres. But I can tell you, Fee, that last preparation, Foxy Frieda did run over 2,000 metres and it was in the Ballarat Cup, which is a pretty high quality race. It was won by a mare called Zaydani, um, who had won the matriarch at stakes level her start before. So um, on that occasion, Foxy Frieda got way back, which is the only problem, her racing pattern. She's a back marker. So she always needs luck. She got way back to last in the Ballarat Cup and absolutely launched at the line, only beaten a length. So to me, the 2,000 metres is not a problem. But what is a problem is her racing pattern. And from barrier four four again, she might need some luck um, to be able to, you know, get the clear galloping room that she needs to actually win the race. A horse in this field that doesn't come through that silent sovereign last start and that also probably won't need any luck in running because she's the likely leader here, is a horse called Deny Knowledge. Now, Deny Knowledge last start stepped up to 1,600 metres and went to the front, set a really fast tempo throughout, and just kept running. Like It was a really high-rating race, and it was quite a dominant victory. And so this is another horse at $11 that I probably can make an each-way case for. The way I'm thinking it is if I've got a horse on speed and they do sort of sit up and make it hard for the backmarkers to run into the race and actually be a winning chance, then I want to be with a horse on speed. But if they overdo it up on speed and it sets up for those further back in the field, I want to be with um, Foxy Frieda, who that's where I think will settle and be running home from. So I'm sort of going at two ends here. 
with the favourite, Foxy freed up, but also can definitely make an each-way case for deny knowledge at $11. Yeah, that's a good tactics there, Grace, a front runner and a back marker. Mm-hmm. Talking about that, let's just touch on Morfitt Bill as a track. Is it a very even track? Is it good for the leaders? Is it good for the for the back markers, who does this sort of track suit? So Morfittville is the main metropolitan track in, in South Australia, in Adelaide. It is usually a really fair track. It's got a nice long straight. But that's not to say that sometimes with rail movements that you can have a, a meeting or a day where you know, it is favourable to be on speed or other days when the fence is off and chopped out and a disadvantage to be in those lanes. It's better to be out in those lanes where, you know, the ground is firmer and more compact and you're going to make faster ground out there than on those inside lanes. So it can still happen. And I say that because the last time we raced for Group 1 racing at Morfaville, two weeks ago, in it was for the Group 1 Sankster Stakes for the Phillies and Mares. It was a really leaderish day. It was hard to make ground. Um, the way that the rail had been moved and just the way that the track raced, it was hard to make ground. So I think it's still important to note that, you know, patterns can happen can occur through the meeting and it's one of those things that if you're watching the racing you do actually have to be a little bit flexible because if there's a big pattern that's quite obvious you do need to change your selections for it. Yeah very interesting good to know that uh, going into the rest of our races so just to summarize there you are going with Foxy Frieda who is the $3.20 favorite just for a win bet on that one Grace? Yes definitely just a win bet on Foxy Frieda. And an each way on deny knowledge. Yes, two bet strategy for me in race five at Morfittville. Okay, let's move on to the next one, race six. Okay, race six, Grace, this is the South Australia Phillies Classic over 2,500 metres. It is a group three, so it is for three-year-old fillies. Apprentices cannot claim, as we know, in stakes races. So let's get stuck in. Who's catching your eye in this race? Well, this is a really tricky race because um, quite a few of these fillies at the top of betting have come through the last start Group 1 Australasian Oaks, which was run at Morfittville. That was over 2,000 metres. And then there are lots of other horses in the race at a bigger price that are sort of working their way up to this class. So we've got those that are dropping back in class from a Group 1 to those that are you know, really just seeing how they might go in a race like this. So you've got two very different class of horses in the race. Hence why you've got Doceur as our $3.30 favourite. She finished fifth in the Australasian Oaks last start. So that was a really good run. Mamunia was also in that race. Bundle of Fun came through that race as well. But Doceur has drawn barrier 18 and Mamunia has drawn barrier 19. That is not good. <laughs> Both of these fillies, I think, will will go back in the run and... It's just a really tricky barrier for these fillies to overcome. Yes, they might have all the ability, but they're going to need a lot of luck in running. It's a big field. They're going to need the leaders to not go too slowly. Um, They're going to need clear galloping room when they can get it and when they need it at the top of the straight. So there's a lot lot that they'll need uh, if they do go back. If they go forward, well, they're going to make they're going to need the leaders to not be going too hard so they don't have to do too much work. So Dosa and Mamunia have probably got the class advantage, but I don't really want to be with either of them because of the barriers they've drawn. There's another filly in the race called the Amazonian. Um, 
she's drawn barrier 16. Like what is with these bad draws for the really good fillies <laughs> in the race? But the one thing about the Amazonian is I really think she's been targeted to this race. It's only her third start for the campaign. She's not been to that group one, which was her grand final, and this is sort of an afterthought. This is her target race, and she was great against the boys in a three-year-old race over 2,000 metres at Caulfield last start. She was actually a little bit unlucky. She almost could have won. And I just think with Mark Zara in the saddle, while she's drawn barrier 16, she'll get back, she'll need luck. I think that she's been targeted to this and I can put a lot of confidence into the fact that she'll be peaking for this run. So at $4.60, I think she's the way um, that I do want to play in this race, but it's really tricky considering some of those white draws. Yeah, trained by Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. who are just firing so much at the moment. They're doing so well, especially in Morfittville. Yeah, true. It's a great uh, combo, those and those two and Mark Zara. So we're going with number five, the Amazonian in race six, the South Australia Phillies Classic Group 3. Okay, here we are with race seven, the R.A. Lee Stakes, a group three over 1,600 metres for three-year-olds and up. Another exciting race to look at, Grace. Now, in one of our episodes, we covered speed maps and you mentioned it's a great place to start when studying the form. So tell us about that. What is the speed map telling us in this race? So the speed map is where I start for every race when I do my own form. And so if we're looking at the speed map for the RA Lee Stakes, it's a relatively, um, you know, mid-sized field, I would say, a field of 14 at the moment. So when I'm taking a look at the speed for the RA Lee Stakes of those horses that like to settle on pace and also checking to make sure what distances they have been running over when they're settling on pace, what I've come up with is that I think the speed here will come from Royal Mile, who's drawn barrier three. I think he'll try hold a position there. The horse drawn outside him is struck by from barrier four, and I think he'll try and hold a position as well. And then you've got Retrado next to him as well from barrier five. So that's really where the speed comes from, um, the way that I'm looking at it on the map. And it's from barriers three, four, and five. So what that tells me is because there's no horse drawn barrier 14 that I think, right, this horse is going to be sent forward, it means that there's not as much pressure. And when you don't have as much pressure from horses, you know, kicking across from out wide, you don't have as much tempo in the middle stages. Some horses don't get fired up by horses pressing across and, you know, coming across and and making that tempo faster than it needs to be. So all in all, I think with just the three speed influences on paper drawn relatively low, I think we're just going to get a slow, maybe just an even nice tempo. Nothing too fast, nothing too slow, probably just in the middle, Goldilocks style. The one that I was looking at that might be a little bit stuck from their barrier is Junipal. Uh, looks like it might be a little bit slow away and from <laughs> barrier one yeah we we know that that's a tricky barrier to get out from if you are trying to swoop around the outside yeah it's probably not a good barrier for Junipal barrier one what will be good is that he can just do no work in the early stages um, he can just have a really comfortable time just cruising along but he might be three back the fence he might be buried and looking for an out and it might not come so not a good barrier for Junipal. Taking a look at some of the others, Sosi Bon, barrier 11. He likes to just lob sort of behind the speed, but it's hard to do that when you've drawn a wide barrier. So he's probably in a tricky 
position on the speed map as well in terms of the fact that he might get posted deep with no cover and sort of be that horse that's just out there, you know, racing and not having a very economical run. So it's tricky for Sosibon and probably Dallasan, who's got a great winning chance, he's going to have to go back from barrier 10, which is his normal racing pattern. But it would have been lovely if he had drawn five or six and could just settle midfield in a great spot. Amir, we've talked about a few times, is Ixalita, who Mm -hmm. is barrier seven, which I think suits Grace from what we've talked about previously. Great barrier for Ixalita because from barrier seven, she's going to be ridden by Jamie Carr. So Jamie Carr can literally just let her land wherever she's comfortable and just keep her in a rhythm. You're not asking her to go forward. You're not asking her to go back. That's the beauty of those middle barriers is that horses sort of have to form their way around you. You can just sit there. So that's exactly what Exolita will be doing with Jamie Carr in the saddle. Okay, Grace, now that we've looked at the speed map, what are you thinking? Okay, so this is a really tricky race I have decided. Um, it could almost be a no bet race for me because i I just I can make a case for so many runners in the race, but I've got no real confidence that any one of those is the clear winner. So if you talk if you're looking at the favourite, which is Dallasan, I mean, he has run four times this preparation. All of them have been at group one level in Sydney, but on heavy tracks. Now he's a month and a half nearly between runs and he's back to Adelaide, which is where he lives and where he's trained from. But just you just don't know how he's going to come back from that preparation, which, you know, that can take its toll racing on heavy tracks time and time again. And now he meets horses that are on the up. So Dallasan definitely has been racing against the best competition, but I'm just not sure where he's at. I'm not sure he deserves to be a $3 favourite either, to be honest. Cherry Tortoni is a $7.50 chance in the race, and he's, he's a good horse on his day. He was a bit disappointing last start, I thought, at Flemington over 1,700 metres. But from barrier two, he's a back marker, not good. Generally, that means he's going to need a lot of luck, and I can imagine it just not working out for Cherry Tortoni at all. I suppose the one that probably interests me, Fee, at the price is number 13, Belle Placier. Uh, because she is right down on 53 and a half kilograms in this race. And she actually ran in the race that we mentioned just before, the Silent Sovereign race for the fillies and mares over 1,600 metres. But instead of stepping up to the 2,000 like those other fillies and mares did, she's staying at the 1,600 metres and taking on the boys. She was actually really good in that race, and I thought her run was full of merit. Maybe maybe she's a little bit over the odds at $14. She's probably one that I could... Um, have an each way bet on. Ex-leader's got a a great winning chance. Jamie Carr is in the saddle, but she's at $4.50, sort of no edge in the market there. Really tricky race for me. But um, if I I had to be with something, it'd probably be Belle Placia each way. Otherwise, it's a no bet race for me, Fee. Great point, Grace. We don't have to bet in every race, so we might leave race seven. And now let's move on to this week's listener question. Okay, so this week we have a question from Emily. She asks, what's your process of doing form for a meeting and how long does it take you? I think this is a question perfectly designed (laughs) for you, Grace Ravage. Well, it's funny because we've touched on all of the elements that um, I use to do form, but I guess we haven't actually discussed the order in which I do it. So great question, Emily. Um, And it's 
basically the way that we're describing it now, in particular the previous race, it always starts with a speed map for me. So I always look at every runner in the race, I work out who I think is going to settle on speed. Then importantly, I determine whether I think it's going to be a fast tempo or a slow tempo, because that really does dictate who wins the race. If it's going to be a slow tempo and I really like the horse that's going to settle last, I'm going to second guess that because it makes it really hard for that horse to win. I'll probably look to find something that's settling closer to the speed because it will just have a better mathematical winning chance of getting past the leader. So it always starts with a speed map for me. Then once I've worked out in my in my head and on paper how fast or slowly I think the race is going to be run, I go and assess every single horse's winning merits. So you'll take a look at what they've done recently. I use a benchmark ratings-based system called punting form, which helps you um, understand the strength of the time that each race is run and won in. So some races are run in and won in really fast time. Others may look super dominant, but actually don't necessarily do much on the clock. It's quite a slow race and you wouldn't really elevate that that race in your mind in terms of winning another race. So I use punting form to be able to assess the strength and the weakness of certain horses in the race. And then I also work out in terms of what distance we're, we're racing at, who's best suited, at the weights, who's best suited. Barriers are huge. Again, at the map, who's advantaged, who's disadvantaged. Obviously, track conditions. Um, you know, if we're racing on a wet track, we're looking for wet trackers. If we're racing on a dry track and we've got a wet track horse, probably not going to be suited on the good four. Then it comes to jockeys as well. Um, for me, it's not necessarily going to sway my opinion too much. Obviously, there are certain jockeys um, that are just outstanding riders on anything. They can, you know, get the best out of the horse every time, like Jamie Carr, Damien Oliver, Mark Zara. Like they're elite jockeys. So when they when they're on your horse, big tick. But then sometimes you'll also have, you know, one of those riders being replaced by an apprentice. So that's one of those things where it's hard to assess because generally apprentices going on a good horse to take weight off that horse. So the horse goes really well. You just need to weigh up whether you're happy to take the price with an apprentice on. And generally I am because, um, you know, they're all good riders in their own right. And also the trainers know when they're putting a jockey on that the jockey is going to suit the horse. So I take a lot of confidence from that as well. The other thing is um, in the mix of all of this form analysis, which you sort of just do as you're looking at every runner, you're just taking a look at all of these different elements that I'm mentioning and working it out in your head what you think it's going to look like. Is it beneficial or is it a disadvantage? The other thing is gear changes because sometimes you'll see a horse third up, blinkers go on and you'll think, great, this horse is ready. It's peaking, blinkers on for that extra length or two um, to really help the horse focus and not look around and and be on the job so that's a big tick Um, other times you'll see a tongue tie going on that can sometimes mean that maybe the horse was playing with his tongue or not breathing properly that can be another big tick so gear changes generally are a good thing because it means the trainer is trying to fix something to get more performance out of the horse at their next start so look you do you look at all of that for every single horse and then ultimately you sort of work out who's favored here and under the race shape who is disadvantaged here based on all of that and under the race shape and then you work out who you think the winner is going to be and it is a puzzle that you try and work out every single time and that's what I love about it that it is a puzzle 
Um, and you know, you do not get it right every single time, but it's so much fun trying to achieve it. Are you ever swayed by your heart, Grace? Are there just some horses you just <laughs> yes. want to win? So you bet on them, even though the, the numbers are against them? Yeah, absolutely. Like I can I can 100% have rose-coloured glasses on when it comes to certain horses. And I'm thinking, but I know that it's going to get to this level. So even though, you know, there might be four other horses that are actually running faster times, I'm like, no, but it's going to get there. I know it will. Um, you know, that can happen as well. But Yes, to be a good punter, you should remove rose-coloured glasses at all times, but I do not. <laughs> and the other half of that question was, how long does it take you to do the form for a whole race meeting? Um, so generally, it can take anywhere between two to four hours, probably, um, depending on how in-depth you're doing it, because... You know, you can also watch a lot of replays as well um, in case a horse was unlucky or in case there was more merit to the horse's run. Watching replays adds to the time. Um, But yeah, I'd say probably anywhere between two and four hours if I'm doing it properly. And Grace is a professional form analyst. She does a lot of shows where it's it's very important that she's across all of this stuff. So <laughs> we would say four hours is definitely the upper end. You know, you don't have to commit that much time to it. Oh no! If you wanted to be doing it at home, I mean, we've given you we've given you the tools to go and and have a go. It can take you half an hour. Just start. Just see how you go. You'll you'll pick it up as you're watching the racing as well. And that's this is the other big thing um, is that it's really important to. Once a race is run and won, work out why didn't I get that right? Why was I so wrong? Like what happened there that I thought was going to happen, but clearly I was wrong. You actually try and identify where you've gone wrong because that will help you know for next time. It's just learning lesson after lesson. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. After lesson. Okay, so let's move on to race eight. This is our feature race, the Goodwood. Set weights plus penalties for three-year-olds and up. What is the speed map telling us in this race, Grace? Well, what the speed map is telling us in this race is that it is going to be fast run. There is pressure galore, speed horses drawn left, right and centre. This race is going to be on from the barriers and it's what we'd expect in a group one 1200 metre sprint contest because there's so much intent for these horses to really be there and to be to be winning because there's so much at stake. So what I've got for the speed map, and I'll go in race book order, is Sava2XL, who was the winner of this race last year. He's drawn barrier seven. I think he'll cross to sit on speed. 
in the boat, the favourite for the race, has drawn barrier 20. He likes to lead, so expect him to be shooting across. The Astrologist in barrier 6, Free of Debt from barrier 4, Lombardo from barrier 19, and maybe even General Bow from barrier 14 with a lightweight. All of these horses, I think, are going to press forward to either settle on speed or like cluster just behind the speed. And that means that there's pressure in the race and it means that there is a fast tempo installed in the race. So the key is that in races like this, there are some horses like in the boat that actually sustain a strong tempo throughout. They can do it at both ends. Um, But probably I'll be looking for a horse that's midfield, a touch worse to be sort of swooping into the race, clear galloping room to run over the top of those leading pack that might just be running out of petrol late. That sounds like my favourite in the race, Behemoth, Grace. Yes. Barrier 8, he's not going to be one of the fast ones out of the gates, but he's also not going to be the slowest. And I do have my rose-tinted glasses on for this horse. Yeah, and for anyone that can't remember, you worked with behemoth uh, when he was a young horse at blue gum farm that's right i knew him from his time as a weanling to a yearling so uh very excited to see him lining up in this race again and you know it'd be great to see him take this one out well you'll be pleased to know that i think he's got a great winning chance in this race excellent but let's take a look and we'll start with the favorite who is extreme warrior who is our five dollar favorite oh five dollars the field grace yes that's exactly it it's so open this race and in fact since markets open he's been four dollars forty out to five dollars because other horses around him have been backed uh, but i can understand why extreme warrior is drifting a touch because although he was a winner last start as a two dollar favorite so really strong market expectation for this horse uh, that was first up at Caulfield last time he sat on speed that day and they the leaders went really slowly and he definitely wasn't necessarily attacking the line I thought there were other horses in the race that were actually stronger to the line than he was so I know he's only first up and he'll probably improve and this is his target race and 53 and a half kilograms like right down at the weights is a great thing but not convinced he deserves to be our $5 favourite. You know, when you're looking at a horse like Behemoth, it's a multiple group one winner and he has to carry 59 kilos, but he deserves the weight. But I mean, he is a really good horse fee and his run last start in in the DC Mackay Stakes, he got back that day, he carried 62 kilos and he was a huge run. Like he was quite badly held up in the straight he had to come around horses once he got clear he really let down and that was definitely the run of a horse that is in great order now going to a group one contest being the Goodwood so I think that Behemoth has got a really good winning chance Um, barrier eight's a great barrier so fingers crossed that your boy can get the job done (laughs) and who else are we going to look at in this race Grace so the other really interesting one here was the early favorite in the boat Um, When markets have reopened, they've factored in barrier 20 for this horse and is reopened $6.50 second elect in the market. Barrier 20 is such a bad barrier for this horse. So is that the widest spot? It's it's the widest spot. Yeah. And he, as you said, he likes to be on speed. He likes to lead. He is going to have to burn a lot of gas to get there. But the thing is... He has proven that he can do this in the past. So for most horses, you'd say, hmm, no, this is just not going to end well in the boat. He's going to have to do too much work. He's really going to be, um, you know, fading to the line where other horses might be stronger to the line than him. But the fact is that he really does sustain a strong speed throughout. 
So I definitely think he'll still be thereabouts in the finish. But while he's had 11 starts, he's won seven of them and placed the other four times. This is clearly the biggest test that he's ever had to uh, face in his career. And he's taken every step that he's been asked so far. But this is a big step up. So... Has he run at group one level before, Grace? No, never run at group one level, never run at group level before. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, Fee, and we're going to throw back to when we were looking at the weight scale recently in an episode because this horse in the boat, he was a listed winner two starts ago, and because of that listed win, he's copped a pretty significant penalty here. This horse is only a 98 rater. I think there's a horse in the race called Asar who's a 99 rater, and if you look at Asar, he's carrying 54 and a half kilos, whereas in the boat's carrying 57 kilos because of that listed race win and the penalty that that has incurred under this the race conditions of this race. So, you know, you're not going to think, oh, he shouldn't have won that listed race because he's got him poorly at the weights here. But what it is telling you that is that he is only a 98 rater going to a group one. Like, the horses above him are up to 114 raters and he's only getting two kilos off them or less. So he isn't necessarily well weighted in this race, but you know that's just the way it is when you've got such a progressive horse like in the boat. You have to throw him in the deep end and see how he goes, but he very much is in the deep end here. Absolutely. If he can win this, he's really showing just how good he is. So when it comes to who I actually want to side with in this race, it is so hard Behemoth, I genuinely think, can win this. Um, There is another horse called Not an Option that is a big price in the market. At the moment, Not an Option is $34. I just think this horse is really over the odds. But having said that, I don't necessarily think he's going to trim up in betting because his two starts this preparation, he's been big prices. So he's a former Kiwi raced by Cambridge Stud. First up this campaign, he won a listed race, the Hariba Stakes at Mornington over 1,200 metres. He was $41 there. Like the market thought he just had no chance, but he won. And then last start, he was $26 when he was beaten by Extreme Warrior, the favourite in this. But as I already mentioned, I thought there were other eye catchers in that race other than the winner. And one of those was not an option because of how far back he got in such a slowly run race. And he actually ran the fastest last 200 metres section of the race. So while he didn't win and he finished midfield, you know, it's not eye catching, but he just got way too far back that no matter how fast he ran, like it was physically impossible for him to get any closer. So at $26 and barrier five, I think is great. You just do no work, get a really nice soft run, sort of that midfield sweet spot that I'm, I'm looking for here. I think at $34, that is a really good each way bet. That's not an option. Um, but I think that I'm going to side with you, Fee, in terms of head and heart, <laughs> behemoth. Yes, go boy. Okay, our last race for the day, race nine. Hopefully you're still following along with us here. This is a very form-heavy episode. Hopefully you're loving it. That's why we're here today. This is the Proud Mistakes, a group three over 1,200 metres, three-year-olds and up. Do we want to start at the speed map this time, Grace, or are you going to take us somewhere else? No, we can definitely start at the speed map here, Fee. Um, So tricky tricky speed map to work out because we've got a horse a couple of key chances in my opinion that are drawn wide and I just wonder whether 
the instructions from the trainers are, is going to be to send them forward. Sarah Des from Barrier 10 is one of those and also Miss Albania from Barrier 12. So hard for me to really predict what's going to happen there but for the sake of it I'll say both horses will go forward you've got Gimme Pa from Barrier 2 I think she'll hold her position and also Lady Pavlichenko from the inside barrier will likely sort of kick up and, and maybe settle just behind the speed so all in all I think we're probably just going to get a nice even tempo I'd be surprised if they went too fast but Miss Albania from Barrier 12 probably holds the key to it, to be honest, because if they do want to go forward, they'll really, you know, press the button and she'll she'll be sent forward, which is a racing style that's really worked for her in the past. So she might run, she might lead up this field and I think she actually might be hard to catch, to be honest. Okay, Grace, so let's take a look at the gear changes. Are there any horses in this race that you think are having significant gear changes that are a tick for you? Well, not necessarily significant, but there is one horse um, that's got winkers going on again, and her name is Diamonds. And I think that that is an encouraging gear change because she's now second up for the campaign. This being a stakes race is definitely a target for her. And the winkers going on again, just give that sort of extra level of concentration and focus for the horse um, to really switch them on. And also... I really like what Diamonds did last start with no gear on. That was first up at Morpheville where she ran the fastest last 600 metre section of the entire meeting. So her last 600 metres of her race was faster than any other last 600 of any horse on the day, which is something I really look for um, because it, you can understand the strength of the horse's performance based on you know what, what else is running on the day. And she was great there. Um, she's a very sharp filly, meaning that she's very quick you know really pacey and at 1200 meters that might be a slight stretch she does her best work sort of over a thousand eleven hundred but with the winkers going on and what she did last time I think that at an each way price she's got a really good winning chance here another gear change in terms of the mounting yard another episode we did is number 14 I am Benny is having earmuffs on pre-race only. So we might look for a better parade from this filly this time. Hopefully nice and relaxed. I feel like they've put these earmuffs on because she's been getting on her toes a little bit. And she's only had two starts, I am Benny. She had her first start, which she won. She went out for a break and then last start she won a benchmark 64 um so she was first up and you're right I can imagine she was very fresh and because of that they've decided to put the earmuffs pre-race on to try and keep her relaxed and in zen mode before her race so Grace give us your tip for race nine so I've mentioned diamonds who I really like at 20 to 1 which I failed to mention before uh each way bet being diamonds but Sarah Des is the $3.30 favourite. Barry 10, Craig Williams, likely to go forward. She likes to sit on speed. She's been winning and racing really well. She can do the same here. But she's been sitting on speed in slowly run races. And I think there might be more pressure here. So she might be a little bit more vulnerable. Still a really good winning chance. But the other horse that I'm quite interested in here is Miss Albania. Um, if she goes forward, depending on how much petrol she uses... She's a really top-class mare, and we've seen her lead to win in previous preparations, running fast time. She's been in the wilderness a little bit recently. She's had a couple of trainer changes, but her run last start in the same race that Behemoth came through, so against the boys, the, the proper 
Group 1 form Goodwood horses she raced against last start. She was so unlucky there, and she was right on their heels. So if she brings that sort of form and doesn't have to do too much work in the early stages, she's been $15 into $10 already, but I still think that that's probably a pretty good price. So again, I'm looking at each way bets here fee, which is common on big group one race days because there's just form galore. Like there, there are so many nice horses at all different prices. So I'm with Miss Albania and Diamonds, both each way bets. Very good. And that brings us to the end of our Goodwood preview. Hopefully you have enjoyed all of the form this week and you have been able to apply some of the learnings from our previous episodes into the Goodwood form. I've certainly found it enlightening. It's been so much easier to keep up with you, Grace. We've done these episodes earlier where we've covered some of these topics in greater depth. How have you found it today? Oh, it's been great I've absolutely loved it and I suppose um, for anybody that's still a little bit confused or if you've got any questions or didn't understand something that I was talking about please send them through to us on our social media platforms dm us because you know that's the whole point of what we're doing we're trying to explain all the different things to our audience so if you're still confused please let us know because I know that I can get in my form space and I can go a little bit crazy (laughs) with that in mind sending in your questions on form or anything we haven't covered yet next week we will be doing a very heavy listener question episode we'll be throwing in some form as well but we really want to do a whole episode dedicated to answering your questions so please uh, make sure you send them in I will as always put up a question box on our social media platforms we mostly do this through Instagram so make sure you're uh, following us on there but really looking forward to that and there's no such thing as a silly question. That's Absolutely the whole not. point of what we're doing on Ladies Who Punt. We are all about informing people and educating people. So we will go right back to the basics if that's what everybody wants. We're happy to do that. Really looking forward to that one, Grace. Um, until then, guys, have a great weekend racing. Goodwood Day. It's going to be very exciting. Go Behemoth. Woohoo! Go Behemoth. <laughs> and we will see you again next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. 